All right, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, planning on tonight, uh, closing out the series I've been doing on spiritual warfare. And then next Wednesday, uh, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be heading out west with Abby for her senior trip. But then we'll, uh, the following Wednesday, I'll probably go back to preaching through a book in the Bible. And I've got about four different ones I'm trying to decide between. And I can't make up my mind which one I, which one I want to do. So we're gonna, we'll see what happens there. But uh, tonight, well, I do want to talk about uh, verse 4. I want to point out before we go through some more of this chapter. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so... Uh, we're going to talk about pulling down strongholds tonight. You hear that term a lot. You often hear somebody talk about how, you know, they've got this stronghold that's in their life. And uh, basically what they're saying is, you know, there's, this is a, maybe a sin that I just can't seem to get victory over. This is something that I'm dealing with in my life. This is a battle I'm fighting and I just can't seem to get anywhere. It's a stronghold. I need help. Um, you know, for the last few weeks in the spirit of liberty, I've been talking about pornography. That's a stronghold in many people's lives where it's like, it's an addiction that they have and they, they want to get victory over it. You know, they have the Holy spirit inside of them. They're saved people. And because of that, you know, they're grieved when they do these things that they know are wrong, but at the same time, you know, they struggle figuring out how they can get over these things. So you would call that a stronghold. And when you have something like that in your life, and we're all going to have things, it's going to be different. For everybody, not all of us have the same uh, strongholds that we're fighting against, but we've all got them, and we've got to understand that these things, these strongholds that are in life, they are real, they are spiritual, and if we're going to take them down, we got to do them not with the carnal weapons of this world, we got to do them with the spiritual weapons. And I want to talk about that tonight because I think this is very important. So before we uh, go into detail on what to do, I want us to look at this passage. A little more in depth to kind of see what Paul's talking about because uh, it would appear so in verse 1 it says now I Paul myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ who in presence and base among you but being absent and bold toward you and it would appear from this passage and from other passages that Paul the Apostle Paul physically speaking was probably not an intimidating character at all. In fact, if uh, we were to see the Apostle Paul, if he walked in here and visited tonight, we didn't know who he was. He's not. He's probably somebody that we wouldn't pay a whole lot of attention to. If, if you did see him, you probably wouldn't be intimidated by him at all. In fact, the name Paul, it means little. And that was a name that God gave him. And so the chances are he probably was a small man. And he mentioned how in presence and base among you, I'm low. And have you ever seen those people, especially preachers? Maybe I, I notice these things being a pastor, but have you ever like I've always wished I had some of the features of some of these preachers that are just like real tall, you know, or like the stately looking figures. You know, they have the white hair, you know, just they look like preachers. Have you ever seen those guys that just do they have that preacher look? They just have a presence that that is intimidating. I've known some that are like that, that are just. They have an intimidating presence, and I think people listen to them because they're scared not to. And I thought, man, that would be an advantage to have that look. I don't have that look. I've known some, they've got those, just that epic voice. And it's like they, everything they say sounds so good, you hear it, it's like it's got to be true. 
Okay? I'm not a fan of this guy at all. I don't like a lot of what he preaches, but you know, I'm just going to compliment him because he deserves it in this area. How many of you ever heard Charles Lawson preach? Okay? Does that guy not have an epic voice? If I, could, if I had his voice, everyone would listen to my preaching. I mean, I'll, I'll listen to him preach heresy, and I want to believe it because his voice sounds so good. You know, he makes everything sound so interesting. And I thought, man, why don't I have any of those things going for me? And, you know, the truth is, that's not what makes a preacher great. Now, it can get you a lot of attention, you know, but at the end of the day, what we all need is the power of God. And the Apostle Paul, while he had no physical power that anyone would pay attention to, he had, there was nothing physically about him that would get people paying attention to him, you know, he did have a spiritual power that did give him an authority. And folks, this is, you know, I love to make the excuse that I don't have the physical stature, the presence, I don't have the epic voice. But the truth is, what makes a preacher great is the power of God. And guess what? Any of us can have that. And if we don't have it, it's our own fault. It's our own, it's our own fault. It's, it's available. God's not a respecter of persons. God, not, God's not going to use one guy more because he has an epic voice. Or one guy more because he has an intimidating presence. He's going to use the guy who's yielded to the Holy Spirit. So, uh, Paul was not a powerful man by any physical standard, but he's probably one of the most powerful men that ever walked the face of the earth. I mean, he healed people. He raised people from the dead. He got bit by a snake and just shook it off. Okay? What gave him the ability to do that? Was it his great diet that he was on that just gave him all these immunities, even to snake venom? No, he had the power of God in his life. That's why Paul was able to do the things that he did. And you know what? Paul did it with fleshly problems, with an infirmity in the flesh, with a thorn in the flesh. Paul did all these great things because what Paul had was a spiritual power. And we all need to figure out how to tap into this. We all need to figure out how to uh, let these things guide us and give us strength. And so in verse 2, he goes on to say, but I beseech you, because he mentioned how he was base among them. He says, but I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So he's saying that even though we are physically in the flesh, and that's and you know, and in the in presence, okay, he's with them in the flesh, but yet in his flesh there's not much to it. But he's like, you know what? Even though we're walking in the flesh, this isn't a fleshly battle that we're fighting. So it really didn't matter that the Apostle Paul probably couldn't have taken many of the men in this church in a fight. Because it wasn't about a physical fight. This was a spiritual thing that was going on. And then he goes on to say, For the weapons of our warfare, the things that I fight with, the, thing, the power that I'm coming to you with, it's not about a physical thing. It's not about physical weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So Paul is comparing our spiritual weapons that we have as something that can pull down strongholds, which is very important. You know, most of us, we've never been in physical battles, especially like one back in those days. But you know, when, uh, I, when I was in Ireland, we went and visited a castle that was made, it was built for defense. And back then, if all you had was bow and arrows and swords and things, and you went up and all the people you were trying to get to were in one of these strongholds, it was going to be a tough battle. 
It was going to be hard because they had a lot of protection uh, in these places. These were big, strong walls with big, heavy rocks. And you weren't going to tear these things down by hand. You weren't going to be able to get through these things and get through these walls by hand. You weren't going to be able to take them down by shooting your arrows at them or by hitting it with your sword. If you were going to take these things down, you're going to have to have something much bigger. You're going to have to have something uh, a lot stronger than you are. And so, because uh, a stronghold is, it's built to protect it. And it's also, uh, it's to keep people from coming into an area or to stop an advancement from the enemy. And you know what? If you have a brick wall to hide behind, the enemies with swords and arrows aren't going to be able to do much. They've got to find a way to get through that wall. And sometimes in our Christian life, we find ourselves in a situation where we feel like we just can't advance. I've got something that's holding me back. I've got something that's stopping me from going forward. And it's like there's walls that we can't knock down and you're just stuck somewhere accomplishing nothing. You know, and let me tell you, that's where a lot of people are at. That's where a lot of churches often find themselves. And we've, I'm sure we've all been there before. If we're honest, we've all been there before where we felt like we were just kind of spinning our wheels and not getting anywhere. I mean, have you ever been that way, felt that way before? I know as a pastor, I felt that way many times when it's like, man, we're working, we're trying. You know, we've got our foot on the gas and we're trying to go forward, but we're not going anywhere. It's like we're just spinning in place and digging a hole and not getting anywhere. That's no fun when you find yourself in a situation like that. We always want to be advancing. We always want to be getting somewhere, but often there's something stopping us. We've got a stronghold that's in our way. We've got to figure out how to get through it. And so we're all going to find ourselves when we, find, when we face these strongholds. And it could be a sin that we can't seem to get victory over, but it may be something, you know, or it might just be something good we're trying to get accomplished, but we just can't seem to get it done. There's always something holding us back. There's always something stopping us. We would call these things strongholds. So these are things that need to be cast down. And no one is going to be able to tear down a stronghold. No one. You're not going to tear it down with your bare hands. You can't tear down a stronghold by your own power. It's not going to happen. You're going to need some kind of weapon that can get the job done. And as Christians, we often fail to take advantage of the weapons that are at our disposal. It's like we're out there trying to take down a castle with a bow and arrow, you know, when we could be using like a catapult or a cannon or something. I don't know they didn't have cannons in the Bible days. But you know what? They had things that could get through those things. They made machines and things that would... Uh, could launch heavy rocks and objects that could actually break through some things. They, they, were, they were pretty smart back then, some of the things that they were able to do. And you know what? We have access to spiritual weapons that can pull down strongholds. And we've got to get it done. We've got to use this. So the first thing we need to do to get victory over the strongholds that are in our life is we've got to recognize the reality of what we're up against. Now, turn, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It's like, again, it's like we don't realize what we're going after. We, we underestimate, you know, the enemy sometimes. And we do. We think, I can handle this. And we're, we're mistaken. This is something that is beyond our power. And folks, as Christians, if we are going to make it, if we're going to do great things for God, 
we can't just do things according to our own power. We need to do things according to His power. I like what the Apostle Paul said about the church who had given to the, the, uh, the, the poor church in their deep poverty. It said that they gave above their power. How did they do that? Obviously, God got involved. And God ended up doing something greater. And if we're going to do something as a church, if you're going to do something in your individual life, this is not about your power. You've got to tap into something greater than you. You've got to tap into the power of God. And so we've got to understand that there are, there are some things that we just can't handle. So look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12. It says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly, and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God hath both, both raised up the Lord, and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ, and make them members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two saith he should be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What's he, what's he doing right here? He's trying to show how this sin of the flesh that you do, that there's more to it than just a sin in the flesh. This is affecting you spiritually. This is affecting your soul. This is affecting your whole body. And one thing that we just know is that when it comes to sexual sins, this is a stronghold in many people's lives. It is something that has great power over people. It is something that destroys marriages. It destroys lives. It destroys people spiritually. But yet, why do people do it? They think, I can handle it. But you know what we need to understand when it comes to things like this? is that, no, this is a serious enemy. And let me tell you, Hollywood's lying to us. Hollywood acts like you can sleep around and fool around with no consequences. That's not how it is in real life. But you know what? People enjoy watching that stuff, and they fall for it because, you know, Hollywood's putting, is dangling something out there that our flesh desires. And so we do. We don't recognize, wait a minute, no, this is a strong, powerful enemy that I don't want to have to deal with in my life. But we often let these things deceive us and then we find ourselves in a situation where we're surrounded by walls. And so he goes on, to, in verse 18, he says, flee fornication. So you know what you need to do? You need to run from this because this is a dangerous sin that is going to bring great power in your life. And, and also, you've got to understand too, he said, listen, this... This body, it's not just for pleasure. God did not give us this body just so we could give it whatever it wants. That's not what we're here for. Especially as Christians, our life is not supposed to be all about what can I do to please this flesh. As Christians, our life should be what can, I, I'm here to please God. So that means I'm going to have to deny my flesh some things sometimes. And you know what? That's okay. Because in verse 19, he says, what? Know ye not? that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. You can't just do what you want with this body. You know, if you're riding out, if you're out hot riding your car, I mean, I guess it's your car. If you want to destroy it, go ahead. You want to lay rubber, all that kind of stuff, you know, 
That's fine. But you know, if you borrow my car, you probably, I don't think you should drive like a maniac. You know, if I give you permission to use my vehicle, shouldn't you be respectful about that? And it's like, you know, I should probably take care of this. I probably shouldn't trash it. You know, I probably shouldn't be eating a meatball sub from Subway while I'm driving in this car. You know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a mess if I do that. And it's not mine. It's not mine to abuse. If it's your car, I mean, by all means, go ahead and do what you want. And let me tell you, this body that you have, it's not yours. You've been bought with a price. It belongs to God. Yes, he lets us use it. But you know what? We need to take care of it. We need to be respectful towards it. And so we shouldn't do things in our body that's going to defile it and that's going to not please God. So he says, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are, which are God's. So some sins have greater power and control than others. And we've got to understand how dangerous these things can be. He said, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. Like, you know, there's some things that I could probably do, you know, I mean, technically I might be allowed to do it, but these things can, uh, if they're, they're not profitable and I'm not just here to give my flesh whatever it wants. I'm here to do something for God. So you know what? Since this isn't profitable, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, but my flesh wants it, but it's not profitable. It's not going to make things better. I'm not going to be able to accomplish more for God if I do this thing. So I'm going to stay away from it because, you know, even food, he mentions meat. Even food can have control over us if we let it. And some people's lives are guided and directed by food. And, and let me tell you something. I, I don't want to start preaching Sunday night's message. Okay? But you know, here, here's what you've got to understand. Okay? Some people, you know, let's just use an extreme. Okay? They've got, I, I've never watched these shows. They kind of disgust me. But I, I've heard like, the, like my 600-pound life shows uh, I, any carnal people ever watch any of those programs and things all right some of y'all some of y'all watch that you know you're interested fascinated by that but you know it's real easy for us to watch that you know you see these people eating twinkies mcdonald's whatever and then you think you know and and they aren't man their life is controlled by food to the point they can't do anything but eat yet they continue to eat like that well, you know why that food has it, that's their stronghold in their life. They're not accomplishing anything for anybody be, because of food. Okay, now, here's the thing. We see that kind of thing, and then we want to condemn Twinkies. We want to condemn McDonald's. But at the same time, is it a sin to eat Twinkies? Is it a sin to eat McDonald's? No. But here's the thing. You know, if, the, if there's a potential of that being a stronghold in your life, you know what you should do? You should run from it. Now, some people, they, they're handling it fine. Okay? I'll eat, I probably eat one or two Twinkies a year. I, I rarely eat Twinkies. But you know what? If, if somebody offers me a Twinkie, I'll eat it. I don't think I'm sinning. But that's not a stronghold for me. But it might be for somebody else. And, and that's what we, everybody's got to do. We've got to recognize the things that have power in our life and that, that control us and say, you know what? I'm staying away from that. And you know what? You might see other people eating Twinkies and they're doing just fine. They're able to fulfill all their obligations. They're still able to work and, uh, and be healthy. But you know what? You might have to just take a hardcore stand and say, let me tell you something. Little Debbie is a cuss word in our house. You, know, you, 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 might, you might have to do that. 
We've got to get serious about this stuff. And Paul's like, I'm not being brought under the power of any. I'm not letting those things control me. And a lot of times, though, we're too proud to admit things that control us. You know, and some people, they might be fine with cable. But you know what? I don't think you're admitting you're weak if, you're just, if you just said, you know what, I can't handle cable. You know, some of you, if you had cable, you know, you'd watch trash, you know, R-rated, you know, bad stuff. All right? Some of you, you'd be watching the news all the time. And that would mess you up. Some people, you know, some people, you know, they might be able to control. Some of you would, you know, you'd watch wholesome stuff, but you'd waste all your time. You've got to figure out, you know, what you need to keep in your life and keep out of your life. You've got to recognize these things because some people, they can't get over them. So it's, it's about recognizing them un, and understand, you know, seeing these things for what they are. And there are, there are powerful things out there. And let me tell you something, you know, I, I'm thankful I've never, you know, had problems with addictions and drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. But I've seen just how difficult it is for some people to get over that stuff. And you know what? I flee from it. And it's okay to do that. It's okay to be that way, to run from it, flee fornication. These things are strongholds and people's lives get ruined all the time for that one sin. I mean, look at Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, the Bible talks about. I mean, what, what, what a waste. And the Bible compared him to a fornicator for a moment of pleasure. They were that sold out to those things, their flesh, that they lost so much over just one thing. It's not worth it. So uh, you got to recognize these things. Also, we need to make sure that we do not surrender to the enemy, but at the same time, we, not, we have to surrender to God. Now, it's important we get this. Now, turn over to Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. Romans chapter 6, verse 11. So, again, I don't know what everyone's stronghold is. You know, I, I'm naming a few things. Um, you know, some people, it might be gossip that you're dealing with. I mean, you love gossip. And because of that, you just can't mind your own business. You're Facebook spying on everyone all day long. And you just can't stop. You know, you need it. You need to get victory over that. You'd be surprised how, how much that stuff affects you. Okay. And, uh, but there's a lot of different things we can talk about. So, uh, hopefully people just take these things, whatever it is in your life and, and make application. But Romans six eleven says, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it and the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Now, we don't like to admit this, but we are all letting something have its way with us and it's either sin or our flesh, or it's the Spirit of God, and it's your choice. I think, a, you know, a, a good way to illustrate it, just picture your body is just like this empty vessel, okay? Or, or like, like a vehicle, like a car, okay? A car without a driver in it doesn't really do much, does it? Unless it's a Tesla, right? They're the ones that drive themselves. But yeah, it doesn't really do anything by itself. So the thing is, 
Though even that's we need to start seeing our body that way as something that's dead to the flesh that's that's dead to sin. But here's the thing. Our body is supposed to do something. We're supposed to accomplish things. There's things that God needs us to do. So we have to do every day. We've got to make a choice. Who am I going to let drive this vehicle around every day? Who am I going to put in the driver's seat today? Am I going to put the Lord in the driver's seat and let the Holy Spirit have his way and use this vehicle the way he wants it to be used? Am I going to yield my members, my body as instruments of unrighteousness or of, of righteousness? Or am I going to put the devil in the driver's seat? And how do we put the devil in the driver's seat? We give this flesh what it wants. It's basically putting yourself in the driver's seat. You, the devil, doesn't really make any difference. Who are we letting drive this vehicle around every day? And you know what? The Bible says we have to yield our members. We've got to yield to the Lord and we've got to stop saying God is my co-pilot. We've got to say, no, he's the pilot. He's the one that's going to, he's the one that's driving this thing. He's the one that's steering this ship. I'm going to give him control because you know what? I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to make wrong choices. I'm going to do bad things. So you know what? I'm going to put, I'm going to put God in charge and I'm just going to yield my body as members or my members as servants of righteousness. And so we've got to, we've got to give him control. And so the problem is though, we all, here's what we want. We want God's power but with our flesh running the show. Because, I mean, who doesn't like the idea of having power? I mean, folks, you know, if I was asking you, who all wants the power of God in their life? We all want power, right? I mean, didn't we all grow up watching superhero movies? And what is it that they all want? Power. I saw a thing the other day. It says I'm kind of like a, I'm like a mixture, and I agree. I'm a mixture of Spider-Man and Batman. You know, Batman, he had no powers, just a lot of money. And Spider-Man, he had powers, but no money. And I'm like both of them. I have no money and no power. Uh, and so I got a, I'm like half both those, those superheroes. But, you know, we, we've got to understand that we have this mindset. I want power because if I had power, then I could do what I want to do. If I had power, you know, if I had the power of God, you know, I could call down fire from heaven and torch people. I mean, folks, you know, let's just think about it. You've thought about it. Okay, I know all the guys in here have thought about it. What if you had Superman's powers for a day? <laughs> How many things would be destroyed? How many people would die? You wouldn't, you wouldn't save anybody. You know, you'd be going, <laughs> you would, you'd, be going to, you'd be going to the pride parades and taking care of business. Uh, if you, all of a sudden you had Superman's powers, you'd get away. That's what you'd do. Uh, you know, and and the, so the thing is, we all talk about, I want God's power because if I had this power, this is what I would do. But you understand, we've got to understand the whole point of having God's power is so God can do what he wants to do through us. But that's not appealing because we're just trying to think about what we want to do. And what your flesh wants to do is not a good thing. And so we, when we give the Holy Spirit control, when we give the Holy Spirit control, we need to understand that doesn't mean now all of a sudden you've just got the power to do everything you want to do. No, when we give the Holy Spirit control, He has the power to do everything He wants to do. And, yet, and 
He also has the power to keep you from doing the things that he does not want you to do. And see, that's that's a problem right there. That's why we sin. When we sin, it's because we're doing what we want to do. And we've got to learn to walk in the Spirit. And if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. Because when we give the Holy Spirit control, that's when we have access to the big guns. And he goes on to verse 5. So he says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Do ye look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trust to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, so are we Christ. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification, and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. For his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Let such a one think this, that such as we are in word by letters, when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we are present. And basically what Paul's saying here is he's, you know, he's making it clear. Paul was not an intimidating figure, physically speaking. And, but at the same time, he's like, I don't want you all thinking because they knew what Paul looked like. They knew what Paul was like. They knew his personality. And it's like, wow, Paul's talking really strong. He's talking really tough in these letters. But when he gets here, we know him. He's a big softy. We don't need to take what he's saying serious. And Paul's just basically telling him, listen, the way I'm talking to you in these letters is the way I'm going to be when I get there. And while I might not have a intimidating presence, I do have the power of God. I do have the spirit of God. I do have the weapons of warfare of the spirit. And let me tell you, when I show up, I'm bringing the hammer down on you guys. That's basically what he's telling. That's what he's telling him here. Because he, so he said, just the way we are in these letters, this is how we're going to be when when we're present. And because he was because Paul had proven to these people before that he did have power with God. We see in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, this was another group, but he said, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. So he said, listen, we, when we came, this is what he told the Thessalonians. He's like, well, when I came to you, I didn't just come. You know, in word, I didn't just come saying all the right things. He's like, I came in power. And let me tell you something. A lot of us, we're pretty confident. We're pretty lifted up with ourselves because we've got the right words to say when we go out and give the gospel to people. And you know what? By all means, you should say all the right words. But you know what? It'd be nice if we were just as worried about having the right spirit, having the power of God and having the power of God. That's what really makes a difference. And that's what made Paul have such an impact where he went. Do you all realize that when we go out and we preach the gospel, we're basically preaching Paul's messages, aren't we? I mean, if we use the Romans road, you're using Paul's message, aren't you? But, you know, are any of us getting as many people as Paul got saved? No. Why not? 
Because it's not just about the words, even though they're very important. He also had God's power on his life too. And boy, we've got to start thinking more about that. We've got to start taking these things into consideration. Before we go out soul winning, we need to understand it's important to be spiritually prepared, to be prayed up. And not only to be prayed up, but to just be in good spiritual condition. You know, you, you realize you are affecting your ability soul winning if you're just sinning all week. I mean, you're just sinning all week and then you think God's power is going to be all over you when you go out and try to witness to people. That's not the case. We've got to take these things serious because people's souls lie in the balance. It matters. And so the Apostle Paul, you know, he referenced the power that he had. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He says this a couple chapters later after what we're reading right now in chapter 10. And we talked about this before. He was okay with being weak in the flesh because that weakness is what gave him power with God because his flesh wasn't in the way. And that needs to be our desire just like the Apostle Paul. We've got to understand that in, my, in our flesh, we are capable of very little. And in, in reality, spiritually speaking, our flesh is capable of nothing. I mean, what did Jesus say? For without me, he can do nothing. And so the, the thing is, we've got to recognize what we're up against, what we're trying to accomplish. If we're going to make a difference in this community, if we're actually going to change things in this community, we've got some strongholds we're going to have to take down. And in your personal life, if you're going to get victory over your flesh, you've got strongholds. You're going to have to get taken down. You are not going to do these things in your own power. You are not going to do these things by yourself. You've got to have the Spirit of God. And so we've got to make sure that every day we are putting God in the driver's seat. We're letting the Holy Spirit have His way. And we just need to see this flesh as an empty vessel that every day we've got to let somebody fill it. And it's either going to be the Holy Spirit or it's going to be the devil. It's going to be our flesh. And we've got to let the Holy Spirit take over. And then when he does, we might not see everything we want to see accomplished, but God will see everything he wants to see accomplished. I want to see, you know, health, wealth, you know, all the things that the flesh wants. But you know what? God, he wants to see holiness. God wants to see righteousness. God wants to see love. God wants to see forgiveness. God might want to see us do some suffering god might want to uh he might want to use us in a way that is not gonna be very appealing to our flesh there, you know there's no telling how god might want to use us but either way we've just got to remember you know what we're his he can do what he wants with us and if we do god will accomplish great things according to his purpose and his glory but maybe not necessarily according to ours so again Ask yourself, why do you want superpowers? Do you want, to, you, you want superpowers so you can do your own will or so you can do great things for God? And the truth is, most of us want the same reason everybody wants to be a superhero, so they can take care of their enemies. That's why, and that's not, that is not the point. That's not what it's about. So we need to understand the things that are getting victory over us are winning 
because we've lost the battle in our mind, okay, we let them get in our head. And look what it says in verse 5 again. It says, in the wrong chapter, it says, I'm in the wrong book. I'm in 1 Corinthians. There it is. So, casting down imaginations. Watch this. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So, we've got to understand, there are things out there that exalt themselves. In other words, they say things about themselves that are not true. They put themselves in greater positions than they actually are. They'll get up and they'll say, I'm the greatest. I'm stronger. I have more power than God. But they're only saying it. They don't actually have that. Now, I want us to look at an Old Testament example in a physical situation, in a carnal battle, where this very thing takes place. And turn over to 2 Kings, because we've been seeing, too, 2 Kings chapter 18, how, you know, when it comes to these spiritual things, and they are spiritual, they are real, we talked about this in the first or second week, I think, the spiritual is just as real as the physical. Okay? But our minds, we can't really wrap our mind around the spiritual, literally speaking. So the Bible always uses physical things that we can understand to illustrate these spiritual truths. And what we're seeing right here is in chapter 18 is an example of a real physical battle. But let me tell you something. This battle that we see here is exactly like what all of us face spiritually on a regular basis it's exactly the kind of thing that our church has faced on a, on a spiritual basis okay now look what it says in second kings chapter 18 and verse 28 it says then rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the jews language and spake hear the word of the lord or hear, or hear the word of the great king the king of assyria now the assyrians were a world power during this time where they were going through and they were dominating. They were taking over everything. They had taken over the northern kingdom already. Nobody has been able to stop the Assyrians. Nobody. And so here they are. They're about to come at Jerusalem. They're about to come at the southern kingdom. Hezekiah's king during this time. Judah does not have a chance against the Assyrians by themselves. Physically speaking, they are outmatched big time. And so... Rabshakeh, he gets up and he's speaking on behalf of the king of Assyria. And he says, Thus saith the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us, and this city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Hey, he, the king already knows what your king's going to say. Don't listen to him. Don't let Hezekiah say, the Lord's going to deliver you. The Lord can't deliver you. The king doesn't know what he's talking about. You know what he's doing? He's trying to get in their heads. He's trying to intimidate them. Have you ever seen people do that before a sporting event or before a boxing match or something? You'll have the one fight. I'm going to knock that guy's block off. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Hey, why do you have to say that? Why don't you just go do it? You know what they do? They're doing that for a reason. They're trying to get in their head because that's where a lot of the battle is. And spiritually speaking, that's where it's all at. And he goes on to say, Hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus saith the king of Assyria, Make an agreement with me by a present, and come out to me, and then eat ye every man his own vine and every one of his fig tree, and drink ye every one out the waters out of his cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of corn and wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of oil, olive, and honey, 
that ye may live and not die, and hearken not unto Hezekiah when he persuadeth you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Hath any of the gods of the nations delivered at all his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and of Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvam, Hana, and Iva? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who are they among all the gods of the countries that have delivered their country out of mine hand? That the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of mine hand. But the people held their peace and answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was saying, Answer him not. Then came Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, which was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and Joah the son of Asaph, the recorder, to Hezekiah with their clothes rent, and told him the words of Rabshakeh. Now, I wish I could tell you, you know, their immediate response was good that they're like, the Lord can take him. At first, they're kind of freaking out. Fortunately, they obeyed the king and they kept their mouths shut. And we're not going to go through everything, but you know what? Long story short, God stepped in and God defeated the Assyrians. Judah did not defeat the Assyrians. God defeated the Assyrians. And you know what they did? They did call on the Lord. They recognized the fact, we can't beat these guys, but God can. And sure enough, God did. But notice the way this man was trying to get in their head. And he's exalting. I mean, he exalted himself above God, didn't he? He's comparing their, the true God to all the other gods that they had defeated. He's exalting himself. And folks, that's what the devil does. And that's what, whatever the sin is in your life, whatever that stronghold is that you have, whether it is an addiction, whether it is some kind of sin in your life, understand that it's got a spokesperson that's constantly yelling at you saying, you'll never get victory over this. You'll never be able to accomplish this. If that, whatever, whatever it is that we need to do as a church, wherever we need to advance, there's always going to be voices out there saying, you'll never get this done, Liberty Baptist Church. You can't do that. You're going to be defeated. You're not going to get anywhere. You're going to fail. But you, know, you know what they're doing? They're exalting themselves above God. They're trying to get in our head. And you know what we've got to do? We've got to cast those things down. We've got to stop them. They're trying to get away. And a lot of times we do. We let them get in our head. And we've had it here before where we've had people, I mean, I mean large groups of people, you know, who have verbally come after us. You know, that, you know they, we, we've been attacked online and all these things. What are they doing? They're trying to get in our head. They're trying to defeat us in our mind. But you know what we got to do? For one, I think it's good to just hold our peace. A lot of times when we get the reprobates coming after us, it's kind of pointless to argue with those people. I mean, what do we think we're going to do with a bunch of reprobates? Get them saved and change their mind? You know, it, it's best to just hold your peace with them. But, you, but, what are they, but yet they keep yelling. They keep saying stuff. Why? You know what they're doing? They're, exa- they're, they're exalting themselves against the knowledge of God. And we've got to cast that down. And we do that spiritually. We do that by trust calling on the Lord, by trusting in Him, by asking Him to fight the battle for us. And let me tell you something. You know, we do, we can take a name it and claim it attitude when it comes to things that we know is God's will. Okay, you know, name it and claim it. We all don't like that because of the nut job charismatic preachers send us a hundred dollars and you know pray for every you know every financial thing you want God's going to give it to you. Okay, but let me tell you something. 
I do, I do believe in name it and claim it when it's things according to God's will. Because you hear these people, too, that mock you know, us for leading people in a prayer you know, when we give them the gospel. But it's like, wait a minute. Don't we believe name it and claim it when it comes to salvation? That if they will ask God to save them, believing in their heart by faith, that he'll do it every single time? I mean, isn't that how that works? Now, how do we know that? Because we know that that's God's will. We know it's God's will for people to get saved. Okay? Now, if you come to me and say, well, Pastor Tommy, I've got faith that God's going to give me a million dollars. Well, you know, I'm not 100% sure that's God's will for you to be a millionaire. I think that might just be your will. So I can't tell you, name it and claim it on that. Okay? But I can. If somebody asks God to save them, I can promise you God will save them if they believe. And it's the same thing, too, when it comes to strongholds in your life, when, or whether, when it comes to sin. Did you know I'm 100% sure that it's God's will for you to not sin? I know that. So if you ask God to help you and you believe that he can help you, I believe that he will help you. And you say, well, I, I, I did ask and I failed. That's because you didn't let him take control. You stayed in the driver's seat. You didn't trust him. And that's how we get, we get saved by just, we quit trying to save ourselves and we just trust him to save us. And we've got to learn to just trust God in these things and understand when it comes to things in the flesh, we do have to get involved there. There is a part that we play, but again, it's all about yielding to God's will. And I'm telling you, sin does not have to reign in your mortal body. If it is, it's because you're letting it. If sin is controlling you and it's conquering you, it's because it's out there exalting itself like Rabshakeh was. It's exalting itself and you're listening to it. I mean, can you imagine if, you know, they have those things where the guys face off with each other when they have their weigh-ins before they fight? Imagine some guy, you know, you're going to do a UFC fight or something like that. And they go in, he goes to face off with that other guy. And then the other guy just kind of looks him in the eye and says, Boy, when we get in the ring, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to knock your block off. And then he was just like, oh, man, I don't want that to happen. And then he just walks away. And like, I'm not going to fight that guy. Why aren't you going to fight him? He said he's going to knock your block. He said he's going to knock my block off. Hit him first. Knock his off first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and, but that's how, that's how we are. We just give up. You know, the devil tells us, you can't have victory over this sin. Oh, man. I guess I'm going back to drinking again. Wait a minute. Aren't you even going to fight him? Aren't you even going to resist? Aren't you going to even make an effort? You do have the ability. This, this can be done. But we, we just don't believe. And let me just show you a few passages here real quickly that we need to start claiming as Christians. We've got to start claiming these things. The devil is constantly yelling the opposite, trying to get in our head. And you know what? We've got to start claiming these scriptures. We see in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Whatever that temptation is that you find yourself in, did you know you didn't have to give in? There was a way to escape. You know what? Because God, it's not God's will for you to sin. 
So whenever you find yourself in a tempting situation, just look for the escape route. Okay? Just look for the escape route. It's there. You just you have to you have to take it. But a lot of times, no, we're just we're looking for an excuse to sin. That's what it comes down to. First Peter two eleven says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. The things that our flesh lusts after, they war against our soul. I want to be powerful in my soul. I don't want to defile it. I want to protect it. And so we've got to abstain from these things. Um, be sober. First Peter 5, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith. Why do we have to be steadfast in the faith? Because your faith is going to be tested. People are going to be speaking against you. Rabshak is going to be saying, the Lord's not going to be able to deliver you. Don't let Hezekiah convince you that the Lord's going to be able to deliver you. No. You know what? I have faith today that the Lord's going to give me victory over this and I need to have faith tomorrow. And if it gets more tempting, I'm going to keep on having faith. I'm going to keep on trusting God. Blessed, James 1.12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptations. Endure. Okay? Endure implies a battle. Implies difficulty. And folks, it's hard. Tearing down strongholds is not an easy thing. It's hard, but here's the thing. You can do it. You can do it. That's what you have to understand. Nobody said this is going to be easy. Nobody said being a good Christian is going to be easy. Nobody said that. In fact, the Bible, the Bible is very clear. It's hard, but you can do it. Okay, you can, you can do it. And that's the thing you've got to just convince yourself of. It says, no, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. It, you got tricked. Folks, I don't like being tricked. I don't even like when somebody taps me on one shoulder, you know, and then I look over there, but they're actually over there. We feel stupid, right? Well, understand, every time you sin, every time you give your flesh what it wanted, you got deceived. You, you let it get you again. I know Hollywood told you this is going to make you happy. This is going to bring you pleasure. I know the, I know the devil told you, hey, just go try this one time. Just test, you'll, you'll think it's great. He's tricking you every single time. Every time we do that, I mean, why does Charlie Brown keep trying to kick the football when Susie's holding it up? He's going to fall down every single time. That's the way it always goes. But yet he keeps doing it, doesn't he? And that's how we are every time we sin. He goes on to say, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Ah, oh, it was a mistake. It was an accident. Have you ever, your kids ever done that before? You know, they do an accident. It was really bad. And then they think, well, it was an accident. And that's code for no consequences. Listen, I, I get that you didn't do it on purpose. But this is bad that this happened. This shouldn't have happened. You, need, you should have prevented this. You should have thought about what you were doing. You know, but, uh, you know, just an accident doesn't mean no consequences. And when you get tricked, when you make a mistake, the devil doesn't deal with the consequences of it. You do. So don't err. Be careful. Submit your, uh, James 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. What would make the devil run from us? We're submitting to God. We've got God in the driver's seat. We've got the power of the Holy Spirit. I talked about that before. 
We don't stand a chance against the devil, but the devil doesn't stand a chance against us when we're with God. So I like the idea of the devil running for me. So I've got to submit to God. You know, Proverbs 21, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. People are fooled. They think, this will give me some pleasure. You're being deceived. You're not wise. Don't do that. You're still responsible. You know, we can go on and on. Proverbs 6.27, can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burned? I don't know why people think, I, I, can, I, I know this destroys so many people, but it's not going to hurt me. I mean, folks, just with, with what we've seen in this world with cocaine and drugs, what, why is anybody trying? Why do they even have to pass laws to make that stuff illegal? I don't get it. But you know what? People are deceived. So Galatians 5.16 says it best. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I don't know, folks, but I, I would like to do more than just what I'm capable of because I'm not capable of much. I would like for this church to do more than the members are capable of We've got strongholds that need to be taken down. We've got real things that need to be accomplished, and we're not going to get it done in our own power. We have got to learn to yield our bodies as members of righteousness. We've got to learn to put the Holy Spirit in the driver's seat in this carcass that we're dragging around. And if we will do that, there's no, there's no telling what we could accomplish. There, there is no telling. We've got to get this flesh out of the way and you know what i i this this is this kind of message folks this is the kind of thing if i can i can only ask you to do one thing right you, this is you need to take this home and just chew on it for a little bit this is something this is the kind of thing you need to think about in your life this is the type of subject that people need to meditate on I can't just I can't just preach a message and it's going to take care of things. No, this is the kind of thing you do. You need to, you need to chew on this. You need to pray about this. You need to ask God show you the strongholds that are in your life. You got to identify those things, and then you need to let Him take control. We got to tear these things down. We're not going to get anything done otherwise. So with that, let's pray, dear Lord. I pray this message was a help, dear Lord. I pray that you'll continue to speak to hearts, Lord, even after the service is over. When people go home tonight and even tomorrow, I pray that they'll think on these things. Lord, we all have strongholds in our life. There's not one of us in here that doesn't. And Lord, I pray you'll help us to identify those things. I pray that each one will submit and just surrender their will to, your, uh, to yours and that you'll take control. And at Liberty Baptist Church, we can sit back and watch you do a work. Lord, we've, we've only, we, there's only so much we can do. And it's not much, Lord. And I want to see more than that. I want to see you do a great work. And so I pray that you'll get me out of the way and uh, everyone in here and that we'll let you take over and we'll see great things. In your name we pray. Amen.